0: I'd already done all the study for this sermon and then Mark preached his message and he covered all of my points (laughs) Um, and then even hearing Jada this morning I thought gee they're all there again Um, so now instead of feeling like it's just a sermon that's going to be repeating what Mark said uh, it feels like maybe it's something that God is intentionally trying to say to us uh, which gives me a bit more confidence in what I've got to say which is great um do you have a favourite a book or a movie? Or do you remember the first time that you read a favourite? There is that thrill, a story that meets you exactly where you are. It grabbed your attention and you enjoyed it. When you bumped in your friends, it's a story that you tell people about. It's what you speak about. What a great experience. But then you read it again. And it's not the same as the first time. The first time is filled with that first excitement. This story's got something. The second time, I've heard it before. It's still good, but it's not the same. It lacks. Then you watch it again, or you read it again and again, and it begins to not meet you where you are anymore. You've changed. You've grown. You've moved on. Maybe even the story helped you to do that, but whichever the case, it's had its time in your life. You've grown, you've moved on. Here's an embarrassing nut fact for you. When I was a teenager, a book that did this for me was A Walk to Remember by Nicholas Sparks. The same guy who wrote The Notebook. Uh, yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. Um, I don't know really what to say about it, but that I was an emotionally confused teenager, and that's just what happened. <laughs> Thankfully, it was a stage, and I outgrew it relatively fast. But for many of us, the Christmas story begins to do this, doesn't it? When we first engage with it, it's exciting, it's thrilling to hear that God became a human, a baby nonetheless, for us, for a plan of redemption. It's thrilling. But then over time, we engage with it again and again and again and it begins to lose the shine that it once had. The idea begins to maybe slowly creep into our minds like a spider. The idea of, I have outgrown the Christmas story. I've moved on. The story of Jesus' birth is good. Heck, it might even be necessary for young Christians. But now that I'm older, I have what I need from it. I'm happy to listen, but it honestly doesn't have the same effect that it once did. Is this how some of us feel even this morning? I'd be surprised if anyone was actually thinking, I've outgrown the Christmas story, I'm done with it. But maybe it's how we feel when we come to Christmas. We're just repeating a story that we once loved. Well, this morning we're going to be listening to the second song of Christmas Last week, Mark mentioned that there are four songs around the birth of Jesus. Last week, we heard about Mary's song. This week, we're going to hear about Zechariah's. The, the next one after that is the angels to the shepherds and then Simeon. And this morning, as we look at Zechariah's song at the birth of his son, John, what we are going to find is that we cannot outgrow the Christmas story. Just as we can't outgrow the redemption story, which Christmas is a part of, we're going to see our place in God's story. First, our place in God's story is that we are not the hero or even the main character. That is, of course, Jesus. Secondly, we're going to see that while we are not the hero, our place in God's story is as the prize. And thirdly, our place in God's story contains an invitation within it, an invitation to delight in our place in God's story or possibly to endure it. So I pray this morning in hearing this message, we will be refreshed in our perspective of the Christmas story and indeed our place in the redemption story as a whole and to sure away that creeping spider of an idea that we may have outgrown the Christmas story and replace it instead with an excitement that we get to grow by digging deeper into it rather than pushing away from it. So before we go any further, let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, because you are all that we have. Father, As I stand and as I speak and as I have read and prepared I continually reflect that I am just a man trying to make much of an infinite being, infinitely beautiful, infinitely wonderful and amazing. My words will never be good enough, our hearing will never be good enough The things that we understand will never be comprehensive enough to be able to contain you, to understand you. And so we come before you this morning, reading your word and studying it, praying, Lord, that in your mercy, you would reveal yourself to us this morning. That we might grasp a little more of you, see more and understand more of who you are, Lord, just that we may take pleasure and delight in being people that are saved to have a relationship with you. This morning, I pray that as we go through this text, as I use my feeble words, Lord, that you would speak and that we would hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know the story of Zechariah? Zachariah and his wife were old and childless. One day, they received a visit from an angel saying that you are going to have a baby and you're going to call it John. And John would be, a great, uh, be great in the sight of the Lord. He would be filled with the Holy Spirit. He would turn many people of Israel to the Lord their God. He would have power, the power of the Spirit and of Elijah. He would turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. And he would make ready a people for the Lord. No regular baby. Zechariah's response was one of doubt and disbelief. And because of this, the angel made him mute until the day that all that the angel had said would come true. And this is where we meet our passage this morning in Luke 1, to 66. Now the time came for Elizabeth, Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him Zachariah after his father. But his mother said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And all of them were amazed Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all the neighbours and all of these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed the hand of the Lord was with him. What then will this child become? It is no wonder that they had this question. This kid was surrounded by miracles. The newspaper titles would have read at the time, a bouncing baby boy found an ancient dusty womb. <laughs> or maybe newborn baby presses the unmute button for once. It's no wonder the people are asking, what is this child going to become? Something great, surely, maybe a leader, of the people, a prophet like no other before, perhaps the long awaited savior. Surely the hero and the main character of the story, at least. What will this child become? Is there anyone here who hasn't seen Lion King? Whoa, uh, not the new one, like any of them? Okay, you, this will miss you guys. Uh, There's a scene at the beginning of Lion King where Rafiki the baboon takes the newborn baby Simba up and holds it above Pride Rock and announces to everybody in the crowd, all the animals, this is the future king, the hero of the story, the main character, this is who it is all about and the animals go wild. And it announces to us, the people who are watching, at the beginning of the movie, that this is who the story is going to be all about, this kid becoming the king. Imagine if for a moment at Simba's birth, old Rafiki the baboon climbs the rock to announce the future king, and the lion cub that he holds up for everyone to see is an entirely different lion. Suddenly Simba is not the main character. Everyone's asking, Who is this lion to become? And he holds up somebody else. It's not about him becoming the king anymore. It's about a different lion becoming the king. This is exactly what is happening at the opening of Zechariah's song. The people have asked, what will this child become? And Zechariah lifts up a new baby and says, this is your savior. This is your king. This is the main hero, the hero and the main character, and it's not Zachariah that he's holding up. He's holding up an entirely different baby, one that hasn't even been born yet. And what this does is places John in the place where, in his own story, in order to get to know him, you find out he is not the main hero. He is not the main character in his own story. It's Jesus. Zechariah's response is that John will not be the hero or the main character and John's place is not in his own story but in God's story of redemption. If you want to know John and how he fits into the world, you must first look at Jesus. Who John is, what he will become is bound up in the actions and the direction of the hero of the story and it's not him. Listen to Zachariah's opening words to his song: "Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For He has looked favorably on His people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his prophets of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus He has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and remembered His covenant his holy covenant, the oath that he swore of our, to our ancestors Abraham to grant us that we being rescued from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. It's not about John, yet it's a song that is in answer to the question who will he become? When we ask ourselves that spidery question, have I outgrown the Christmas story? How are we looking at the story of Jesus' birth? The redemption story of God. Is it a story that we pick up and then we put down? Maybe once a year, maybe a couple of times a year. It serves its purpose and then we're done with it. It's a chapter in our own personal book. Ultimately, we see ourselves as the main character of our own lives, of our own story. But if we are to trust what Zachariah is saying about his own son, this thinking is backwards. We don't pick up and put down the story within our lives. The story picks us up and puts us down. We are not the main character. And not being the main character is a part of our identity. This is who we are and it means that the actions and the purpose of the hero, Jesus, cannot be outgrown or put down. Our lives are all about him and what he does. Now this is where we find our second point because who in the world wants to hear that? Who wants to find out that they are not the main character in their own lives? What type of feel-good Christmas message is that? Because it raises the point, doesn't it? If I'm not the main character, then am I of less value than I originally thought? What a lovely Christmas message. Not being the main character, the hero, means that I am of less value? Is our place in God's story a cheap one? Now, the craze in in cinemas recently has been one of heroes. I'm sure, Debbie, that's at least one that you'll have seen. Uh, The Thor movies, if you haven't seen Lion King. (laughs) (laughs) Captain America, Thor, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy. All on Debbie's DVD shelf. (laughs) Spider-Man T-shirts. The list goes on and on and on. They are the heroes of their stories. They are the main characters. But of course, their stories contain more than a hero. They also contain a treasured possession. It is what they fight for. It is what they put all their effort into. Captain America doesn't fight for no reason. He fights for liberty and justice and the American way. Spider-Man fights for New York's safety. Guardians of the Galaxy... Their name says it all, they fight for the galaxy. They each hold something as so incredibly valuable in their own eyes that they, it drives everything that they do. They, they value an object. Sorry, the valued object is the reason and the purpose for them laying down their lives. You certainly don't get the feeling that Superman doesn't really care about Metropolis. It is the most valued possession there is. Now, while we are not the hero of the story, it doesn't take much to realise that it doesn't mean that we are of no value. In re-examining what we have read of Zachariah's song, what do we find is the treasured possession of the hero, of the lion cub that is being held up. What drives him? What's going to drive the story and all that he does What is so valuable that he's willing to suffer and to lay down his life for? Well, it says that he looks favorably on his people. He has raised up a mighty saviour for us. That we would be saved from our enemies. He keeps the promises and the covenant made to us. So that we might be restored to holiness and righteousness. Is our place in God's story then a cheap one? No. Our place in God's story is one of incredible value because our hero makes it so. If it is in the redemption story that we find our true value, how can we ever think that we could possibly outgrow it? How could we possibly become bored with it? Instead, we continue to understand that the Christmas story is a place that we return to once a year to be refreshed in our understanding of who we are, who our, story, who our hero is, and where our value lies in his eyes. To grasp again that our value comes not from ourselves and digging deeper into our own selves, but our value comes from the heart of the hero, our saviour. From Jesus. Our place in God's story is one of incredible value because of Jesus. And particularly in a season like this, the end of the year before a busy Christmas, many people are just slogging on after a year of working hard and stepping into a very stressful season just getting through how important is a message about their place in God's story being one of incredible value how many people especially in this last week with the fire here and in New South Wales people who have lost homes livelihoods and some even more must wonder if they have lost all that made their lives valuable How important is the message about their place in God's story being one of incredible value because of what the hero has done, because of how he sees them. And now we come to our third point. Now that we know we are not the hero, but instead the prize of the story, now that we know that we cannot outgrow the Christmas or redemption story but instead turn to it for a refreshed perspective of who we are in the eyes of Jesus, what now? What are we to do as the prize of the story? For those of you who have kids, do you remember the first time that you bathed them as a newborn? I still remember bathing Ella in the hospital basin for the first time. I wasn't even comfortable holding a newborn, let alone holding them underwater. Maybe it's because I was doing it wrong. <laughs> but the plan was set. She had to have a bath, and it was going to happen. Strip, bath, clothed, smooth. I had no idea if Ella was going to enjoy the process. And to my delight and significant relief, she loved it and offered just a lopsided smile while sitting there. Three years later, Connie was up for her first ah, bath. We were at home and the plan was set. But I was confident this time. I'd done this before. And I was sure that she was going to love it just as much as Ella did. And the sounds that tore from her throat during that bath from hell (laughs) will haunt my dreams until I die. But she still got bathed. In some ways, her reaction and her enjoyment of the bath was totally irrelevant. It was going to happen. The plan was set, and I am not going to have stinky kids. <laughs> then came my son, Grayson. How was he going to go? The bath was going to happen. The plan was set. To my immense relief, he was so relaxed he fell asleep. <laughs> A massive relief. God has a plan as well. He has the story laid out. Ben preached on it a few weeks ago. And we are a part of that plan. That part is a non-negotiable. He says that's what's going to happen. We're involved. Just like the kids having a bath, whether we like it or not, it's going to happen. And just like the kids having a bath, we're invited to delight in the process or to suffer it. We are at the end of our first chapter of Luke and already we have seen three invitations made to delight in the plans of God. First with Mary, she was told, you're going to have a baby, he's going to be the son of God. It wasn't a, would you like to have the baby, it was going to happen. But the invitation was made to her so that she could delight in the process. And her response, as Mark said last week, was one of faithfulness. And it resulted in the Magnificat, a song about how magnificent God is. She was filled with joy and delight. The second invitation was one to Zachariah. The plan was that he and his wife would also become pregnant with John. He was invited to delight in it by the revelation of the angel. And his response instead of faithfulness was one of doubt. I'm too old God, you cannot do it. He was made mute but the baby still happened. He didn't believe yet God's plans still went forwards, irrelevant of whether Zachariah liked it or not. John was born, God's plans happen. Finally we hear of an invitation made to John. A baby that's not even conceived of yet. The whole plan for his life is laid out. From verse 76, Zechariah finally mentions John in his song. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That was the plan. And John's invitation and his response, verse 80 says, the child grew... And became strong in the spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day that he appeared publicly to Israel. And when he appeared, which we see in Luke chapter 3, it says that the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. Then he went into all of the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Like Mary, Zechariah and John, we also have been invited to participate, invited to delight in the will of God on earth, to enjoy the plan that is going to happen. It is the reason that we have been saved by our hero, Jesus. Verse 74 said that we were saved so that we might serve him in holiness and righteousness. Our participation, of course, is going to look different. A different part of the story to Mary, Zechariah and John. They were unique. But the plan that God has, the big plan of redemption, is almost complete. Zechariah's song points at that. We only have to look back and see that the covenant has been kept in the coming of Jesus. The promises are being kept. The enemy has been beaten. Sin is dealt with. But there's still a little bit left of the plan. And we are invited to delight in it while we can. Luke 28, 19 to 20 says that we are to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is an invitation to you and to I to be able to delight in the will of God on earth or to suffer it. We are to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. In verses 77 and 78 of Zechariah's song, John uh, Zechariah says that John will give knowledge of salvation Through repentance and forgiveness of sins, that he would be a light to those that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide their feet into a way of peace. Let us be like John and like Mary and faithfully delight in the plans of God on earth. as we close this morning, I pray that we have been refreshed in our perspective of our place in God's story. To know what it is that we are part of, who we are. Not a story that we can pick up and put down, but one that we, can, we are active participants in. Not as heroes but as the prize of Christ, one people that can delight in his will while it is being acted on earth. And in being refreshed in our place in God's story, to take the invitation that is made to us, to delight in the part of the story that God has given us. And as we close this morning, we're going to sing an old song that I requested, so we can't blame Beck for it called Blessed Assurance. I chose it for two reasons. One, because I love old songs. (laughs) And I have the power to choose them. (laughs) Two, for a bit of a deeper reason, is the chorus. It says, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my saviour all the day long. This is who we are. And when we look at the Christmas story, we should be refreshed when it comes to Christmas time. Not thinking this is a story that I've outgrown, but delighting that we've been reminded about who we are in Jesus' eyes, valued. That we have a new year coming where we get to delight in the will of God being done on earth. What a joy. Praise God for who He is and how much He loves us and that we get to be with him in doing all these things. Let's pray, then we'll sing. Father God, we come before you giving thanks for your word this morning, giving thanks, Lord, for what you did through Mary and Zechariah and the angels and Simeon and the songs to come, Lord, to hear of people that are rejoicing in Jesus Christ, Lord, in particular, for hearing John's perspective, even before he was born, a plan was laid out for his life. Lord, how similar it is for us. You say that we have been chosen before, at the beginning of time. Lord, and your plans will come true. They are going to happen irrelevant of us. I pray this morning that we would have the wisdom and the insight and the strength to be faithful like Mary and like John and like Zachariah eventually. And not to spend any time in doubt or uncertainty. But we give thanks that our salvation, that the redemption story and the plan and the hero all push forward. We give thanks that Christ is going to do and has done what he has done, irrelevant of our reaction And that we are secure because of him. So when we come to this season, when we come to remembering our place in your story, Lord let it be the thing that excites us. Let it be what we talk about when we get to our friends, particularly when we're comforting one another in times of trial like now. A reminder that we are a part of your story and your story is magnificent. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.